the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Sealer here with Sherelle McMillan. We are coming to you live following UNC's loss to Boston College. We are sponsored, as always, by Giant T-Shirt and JohnnyTShirt.com. Sherelle, I'm not going to lie. I am hot after that ending. I thought that was an absolute ridiculous foul call against B-Rob. Whatever the announcer was saying about grazing a hand, no, I just, I do not understand that. It's a shame that the game had to end that way. I mean, truthfully, UNC probably should have not been in, in a position to lose to a, a foul call like that. But I mean, that by far was the most controversial thing that happened in this game. I, I did not see a foul. I'll, I'll just come out and just say it. Yeah, it's it's one thing, I think, to complain about officiating. It's another to say, hey, this really had an impact on the game. And I think this is the latter situation. I mean, it was not a foul. Um, I think any independent observer would say, you know, that you don't call that foul. Um, the guy kind of, uh, Hamilton, kind of jumped into uh, Brendan Robinson, it looked like. Um, and even with that, there was, I don't think there was enough contact to, to call a foul. Um, so, I mean, it's, you don't want to blame the game on officiating, but it's hard to overlook when, you know, North Carolina had a one-point lead and had played some pretty good defense to force a tough shot. And then, you know, Hamilton gets three foul shots, hits two of them, and that's pretty much the game. So don't want to blame it on officiating, but I think it was a major component and you can't really overlook it in this particular game. Yeah, and it was a game that UNC really kept on fighting throughout. I mean, Boston College came to play tonight. They really were kind of punching above their weight class, I guess you could say, because coming into this game, you know, they were one of the worst teams in the ACC, but they were hitting shots. They were shooting close to 50% for most of the game. I think towards the end, it kind of tailed off. They were up by seven, by eight in the second half, maybe even more than that. I can't remember it completely off off the top of my head, but UNC kept on fighting back. And I think that's what's so disappointing is that this is just another game where Carolina really gave maximum effort but they just fell short by a bucket yeah uh, I think BC got up by 10 was their largest lead of the game it was uh, 48 to 38 at some point in the second half and you know it, it was good to have for North Carolina to have Cole Anthony you know back on the court you can tell obviously that he brings something that is unique but it, it really to me it goes back to the Clemson and to the Virginia Tech games because you knew that when he came back, there was going to be some, you know, I'm not going to say he was rusty. You know, he had 26 points and made all 14 of his free throws and had five rebounds. Um, but you knew it was going to take a little while for them just to get the chemistry back to where it was, say, around the Oregon game back at the end of November. And so, you know, there might have been a loss when he came back. So you would have hoped that they could have, you know, held on against Clemson or held on against Virginia Tech. So it wouldn't be a situation where, uh, it, it'd be a situation almost where you're trading losses because you knew it was going to be, you know, not a struggle, but you knew there was going to be some issues when he came back. But instead, now they have those two losses and um, they lost their their margin for error because, you know, he came back and they lost the game against Boston College when they were, I think, entering the game 10 and a half point favorites. And 
in, in some places as much as 12. Um, so just a bad loss all around for North Carolina. Really, there's not a way to sugarcoat it. Nope, there's not. It unfortunately spoils the return of Cole Anthony. I mean, I thought that he played way better than what I was personally expecting. You know, just him being in the team gives somebody the skill that can actually just go and get a bucket. I mean, there were times in that second half where Cole just put the the team on his back. I thought that he has a very good rapport with Baycott. They kind of work well together in space. He's able to kind of make those passes um, that (laughs) I don't think his teammates were used to receiving while he was on the bench. So let's just go ahead and talk about him just real quick then, Sherelle. You know, in the first half, I thought that there was a play that kind of typified what UNC has been missing with Cole when there was an attempted backdoor screen, and he actually made the defensive play, swatted it away, caused a turnover. And then there were just a couple passes to the interior that the offense has been missing. So when you were watching Cole make his return to the court for the Tar Heels, how do you think he did? Oh, I thought it was fairly well. You know, there were some times when I think maybe he rushed uh, an offensive set or maybe he, he uh, you know, did something on his own. Because when you miss six weeks, you know, we, we talked about this last the last couple of weeks, you kind of want to make up for everything on every single play. And that's just not possible. There's no... There's no shot that gives you three wins or no shot that gives you 12 points. And so, uh, you know, you could kind of see him wanting to come out and say, look, I'm back. You know, look at me. I'm playing well. And I think once he settled down a little bit in the second half, not dissimilar from uh, the Notre Dame game, honestly, he he settled down. And that's when, you know, his shot started falling. That's when he started going to the rim, uh, started getting fouled. So I thought all of those were positives. I thought on a defensive side, he maybe looked a step slow. Uh, there were several times that Thornton, you know, got it by him with ease. So I think that's more rust than anything. I don't think that Thornton is necessarily a more gifted player or a better player or anything, but you could tell that he hasn't been in, in he hasn't had live reps in a game in a long time. But can't complain about 26 points. Um, some of the shots weren't great. But again, you know, you, you give him that leeway because he's so talented and because the team has missed that. I think what the issue is, is that the assumption was that, you know, Cole comes back. And then everybody else continues to play how they were playing before. And that makes North Carolina, you know, formidable moving forward with a chance to make a run and maybe make the tournament. And I think we saw some reversion by several players. And again, like I said, you, you got to work the kinks out when someone comes back from that long. But I, I thought we saw that a little bit uh, to some degree. Um, some players didn't seem as aggressive as they've been uh, with Cole out. And I think they just have to work on that moving forward. And unfortunately the schedule just gets, you know, tougher and tougher as you move forward. And they only, they don't really have any time to practice because, you know, they're off tomorrow. They'll fly to uh, Tallahassee and they'll play Florida state on Monday night. So there's no time to really work on things in between um, tonight and Monday. Yep. And then there's the big game against Duke that's coming up just a week from today as well. So I think at this point, the biggest question mark now facing the team is Brandon Robinson, who unfortunately injured his right ankle, knee, leg. It wasn't 100 percent clear, but, you know, when he was called for that foul to basically put the game away, he hurt himself. He could put absolutely no weight on it. I mean, it would be devastating to lose B-Rob at this point, Sherelle. I think that goes without saying, but still, he didn't have the best of games. He only shot two for nine from beyond the three. I think there was some adjustment that needed to be made between he, 
uh, having Cole Anthony back on the court, those two guys kind of playing off each other. But still, if UNC was going to make a run to at least challenge for some sort of postseason bid, they needed Brandon Robinson on the court. And now it's just another uncertainty that has hit this team and possibly another significant injury. And just as we said about practice with the short turnaround, it's the same thing. You know, we're recording this immediately after the game. So we have no idea what Roy Williams has said, what any of the players have said. But when you've had ankle issues pretty much dating back to the preseason, and then, you know, he had the rib thing uh, last week or, or Monday, and then he has an injury today and he's unable to walk off the court. You know, he was carried off the court. That really makes put mon- puts Monday in question for him. And, you know, they just can't afford it. You know, they're at the point now where they have 11 losses. You have to think that they're going to be um, heavy underdogs at Duke, at Louisville, um, and Monday night at Florida State. So if those go how they're supposed to go, that's already 14 losses. And the path to the tournament just gets tougher and tougher. And it really... Uh, I think it's getting to the point where they're just going to have to try to um, have some magic uh, at ACC tournament in Greensboro. Yeah, and and to do that, they're going to have to lock up a nine or higher seed, Cheryl, because I do not see any team winning the ACC tournament having to play five games in in five days. I think that's just too much. Four and four on a magic run, that could happen. Five and five, though, I just I don't think it's feasible. But let me take a very quick moment to talk about our friends at Giant T-Shirt and JohnT-Shirt.com. They are longtime sponsors of Inside Carolina. They are your place to go for Carolina gear. They have anything that you could want for the Tar Heel fan in your family. For the winter season, they have your scarves, your jackets, your hats, anything that you could want for there. If the weather continues to get a little bit warmer, they have your T-shirts, your polos. Again, anything that you could possibly want UNC-related, you can find it there on Franklin Street where a Giant T-Shirt has been in business for decades. They have the absolute best customer service. If you can't make it to Chapel Hill, you can always shop online at johntshirt.com. Get that same great selection. Get that same great customer service. And don't forget that if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get 10% off of your orders there on Franklin Street or online at johntshirt.com. You can get that 10% off code from the Tar Pit Premium Message Board or the Basketball Premium Message Board. So that is johntshirt and johntshirt.com. Your place to go for Carolina gear. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. All right, Sherelle, I've kind of cooled down a little bit now. I think that raw motion following the game has kind of worn off. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about some tactics. And probably the the tactical situation that is going to get the most talk on Inside Carolina is UNC's last offensive possession when Cole Anthony had to launch up a desperation three from like 33 feet out. It was a one of those things where there were timeouts, Roy elected to not call a timeout. You could see Cole frantically gesturing at teammates. The Eagles were in a 2-3 zone. I mean, it just looked like that was a very scramble-type play. I'm surprised that Roy did not call a timeout as soon as you saw Cole kind of frantically waving for a screen that was not coming. 
but what were your thoughts watching that play transpire? So, yeah, all the normal caveats, you know, let's put those out there. He's a Hall of Famer. He knows more basketball or if he's forgotten more basketball than I'll ever know, et cetera, et cetera. But there should have been a timeout call there. Uh, you know, Cole Anthony is playing in his first game in almost six weeks. Um, yeah, he's he's had a good half. But, you know, Boston College switched to a zone. And they I think they did that on the final two or three possessions. And everyone just looked confused. Like Cole Anthony wanted a ball screen and Garrison Brooks looked like he was running, uh, you know, trying to find some space, you know, on the on that side of the floor. Um, and everything just looked discombobulated. And if you had the timeouts, why not use them and, and try to set something up? Um, I think also with Cole, you're the point guard. You have to know whether you've been out for six weeks or not. You're not you're down one. And once it gets around that nine or eight second mark, you have to do something towards the rim because, you know, uh, fadeaway step back threes are not, you know, high for, for some people. They are, but they're not high percentage shots most of the time. And North Carolina's advantage um, as shown in this game. They had uh, 16 offensive rebounds um, was, you know, the glass. So the goal in that situation to me is to get something going towards the rim, get something on the rim. And the shot they took was, you know, right in front of Roy Williams on the right wing from about 25 to 26 feet. So you have to know time and score. You have to know that, you know, once the screen wasn't coming, then you have to do something towards the rim because just going away from it, uh, you know, I get like for every feet you go away from the rim, just the percentage starts dropping that you'll be successful. So that that was particularly disappointing. Um, Maybe you can attribute to him not having played for a while, but that's something you have to know with the point guard. Well, and it was a weird 2-3 zone, too, as well, because both Boston College guards were just basically standing there within arm's reach of each each other. They were determined to not let Cole drive. That's why he was waving for the screen. That way, I think he really wanted to attack the basket, but he knew that he just couldn't on his own like that. I think that's where, Sherell, you take the timeout, you can set up a play. I don't think Boston College would would have actually come out of a timeout in the 2-3 zone again. I think Roy would have been able to scheme something for that. But unfortunately, you know, what happened happened and it was a desperation three that hit nothing but air. So but, um, but even, even with the two Boston College guards, you know, kind of focusing on him, then give the ball up. If there's two people on you, then there's somebody open somewhere. Move the ball. There were still nine seconds left. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it just took too long to get into anything. And by the time, you know, there was a sense of urgency, the only thing that was going to happen was some kind of step back fadeaway three. And those just aren't. Those aren't good shots. And it's something, honestly, I think Carolina's just struggled to me. And this is anecdotal. This is not based on any empirical evidence or data. But it feels like they have struggled in those, uh, you know, end of shot clock, end of half, end of game situations with creating offense unless they have a, you know, a special talent in the backcourt. And I don't know why that is, but um, just off the top of my head, it feels like they always struggle with that. So, um, yeah, it's just unfortunate. You know, they had... They had built some momentum in this season, really, for the first time um, since Cole Anthony's injury. You know, they they destroyed Miami a week ago. They went to Raleigh against a team who at the time looked like they were going to be in the NCAA tournament. And they beat them, um, you know, just straight up. You know, they they led pretty much from midway through the first half through the end of the game. Um, and then, you know, tonight, you know, you have a chance. Cole Anthony coming back. The building's excited. Um, you finally are able to break through after struggling most of the game shooting and um, get a lead and it just it just collapsed on them. And that seems like kind of the story of the season is that they're so close to closing out some of these games, closing out 
um, and, and getting some of these wins. And they just it just slips through their fingers almost every single time. And at some point, you know, you have to look at the common denominator. It's not that teams are, you know, are just having the games of their life. You know, Carolina just struggles in certain aspects and um, teams are able to take advantage of it. I do think it was important that B-Rob had just gone out. You mentioned moving the ball, and I, I definitely agree with you there. I just think that it was kind of a mental thing that Cole knew that the next best shooter on the team was heading to the locker room, and it was just a moment of panic. A timeout probably would have been very much needed, but you know it is what it is. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the UNC defense for a second because you know, I thought it was kind of disappointing to see Boston College run that double high pick play over and over against Sherelle, and Thornton kind of just did whatever he wanted out of that. I mean, they were putting the the picks high against Cole that was causing one of either Brooks or Baycott to slide over to try to guard Thornton. He hit the two um, just pull-up deep twos that got Boston College the lead back. After UNC went up by three, he hit two of them in a row. It's a play that is very, very difficult to defend, but I just think that probably Brooks in particular could have done just a little bit more there, maybe just a little bit quicker rotations. Talk to us about that and then what you, how you thought the defense did as a whole tonight. Oh, it was poor as a whole. I mean, coming into the game, Boston College was not an offensive juggernaut. They were uh, 254 in adjusted offense uh, in Kim Pomeroy's ratings, which is really, really bad. Um, you know, North Carolina has struggled offensively, and they, um, you know, are, are not in that same space. Uh, they are 107. So that tells you North Carolina 107, and we know how bad North Carolina has been offensively throughout the year. Boston College 254. So first off, you know, they're not a good offensive team. Second, they shot 46% from the field, um, thirty almost 39% from three. Uh, they went to the free throw line 17 times. So, you know, that tells me that, you know, North Carolina was doing a, a poor job of um, guarding the ball. That tells me that because of that, you know, Boston College got a lot of open looks because Derek Thornton seemed like he was everywhere. You know, they only have him listed for three assists, but, he must have had a ton of like hockey assists because it seemed like anytime he had the ball, somebody was getting an open layup or open shot. Um, so, you know, overall, I, I, I didn't think they played particularly well defensively, giving up 71 points to, to Boston College, giving up almost 50 percent from the field to Boston College. And the, the thing that hurts the most is seven of 18 from three for Boston College, which is just totally out of character. So, um, yeah, it just wasn't not a good defensive performance from from UNC at all. No, and at least UNC was able to own the glass. I mean, they out-rebounded the Eagles 42-35. to 35. I think you mentioned earlier the edge that UNC had in offensive rebounds. It just was a, yet another game show where Carolina played good enough to win, but they did not play perfectly. And so down the stretch, the team that on paper should have lost the game just was able to snatch it away. So and let's look. Yeah, go a, ahead. A, a part of that too, you know, I'm not, I'm, I promise, I'm not trying to bag on the team, but yeah, they out rebounded them. But when you miss 39 shots, you know, there's going to be a lot more rebounds to, to grab offensively. So <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you know, part of it is, you know, the chicken egg self fulfilling prophecy kind of thing. Like, yeah, they did well on the boards, but they missed a ton of shots. So that's one of the reasons that they got so many offensive rebounds. So, you know, I, I just, I was surprised at how flat and how poor they played, uh, especially in that stretch in the first half where 
gosh, I feel like they missed maybe 13 of 14 shots. They were like one of 13 during a stretch in, in the first half. I just expected more considering, you know, the win on Monday, how big that was, the Miami game. You start stacking this together and then you get Cole Anthony back. And it's like for the first time they had positive momentum or the first time in a long time they had positive positive momentum and it just didn't translate onto the court. In keeping in line with that, let's look to the future a little bit. I mean, UNC's next two games against a ranked Florida State team on the road, against a top 10 Duke team at home. I mean, Sherelle, if you're Roy Williams, you're having to talk with your kids. You've got, like you said, the one day off before you need to start traveling. You don't know what's going on with Robinson at this point. What is your message over this next 24, 48 hours? To their credit, I think they've done a good job of, um, you know, teaching the team and and keeping the team uh, temperate, not allowing them to get too down on themselves, not allowing them to, to get too, you know, too excited. Um, like after the Clemson game, you know, I think was Virginia Tech the next game after Clemson where we find out that Brandon Robinson wasn't playing and it just looked like it was going to be a blowout. And then they, you know, went into double overtime with them. Um, and then <clears throat> Monday against NC State, that didn't seem like a situation that was going to turn out well, and they went in there and won. You know, they haven't lost the team. They've done a good job of kind of soldiering on and, and keeping their head down and trying to work. All that said, they're playing a much better team on the road uh, on Monday. So I, I think he just tells them, you know, hey, we, we've got to play better. You know, we did some good things, but, you know, try to put it out your mind and, and be fresh and ready to go on Monday. That's really the only thing you can tell the team, honestly, because – there's been so many of these losses where, you know, you think they should have won the game and it just slips through their fingers. And, you know, it, I, it has to get frustrating. But at the same time, you can say, well, you're good enough to be right there where the game is, you know, slips through your fingers. Then just go grab it and take it. So that's the next step. And I, I think the hope of the North Carolina coaching staff is that they can do that a little bit more uh, moving forward. Yep, and the team just mentally needs to do stay strong. I mean, I think Brooks in particular, he just needs to have a free throw go down. I feel so bad for him. You know, 0 for 7 from the line. You can make the argument, obviously, that if he had hit a couple more of those, UNC's not in this this situation. But I think the last free throw he attempted was like several minutes uh, still left to go in the game. So I'm not going to put it completely on him, but... You know, I think for as well as he was playing in the state game and just before that, UNC really needs him. The mental aspect of this team has to to stay strong if they are going to pull off some of these upsets. And you talked about free throws. Give a, a special shout out to the freshmen, uh, Baycott and Anthony. 21 of 22 from the free throw line. And we know how much of a struggle it was for Armando Baycott earlier on in the year. Um, you still like to see him be a little bit stronger in the post, but another double-double, 11 points, 10 rebounds. Um, you know, he's he's coming along, and I, I think that needs to be recognized as well. Absolutely. And if there's one thing, Sherelle, it that we can point to as a massive positive for the entire season, it's that the Tar Heels have not quit. Their record is below 500 again, but I fully expect this team to still come out against Florida State, ready to play. I mean, you mentioned how they were basically <laughs> written off, left for dead against Virginia Tech, almost stole that, that game on the win, uh, on the road. So I think that that is the one positive. They are going to keep fighting. They are not going to let this season be- become a truly lost season for any lack of effort. And I think that goes towards the high character of players that Roy Williams has recruited to this Tar Heel lineup. Yeah, agreed. Like I said, they've they fought back 
Uh, the Virginia Tech game, they, they've had every every opportunity to quit this season, and no one would have blamed them. Um, but they keep playing hard, so you, you expect that on Monday. And, you know, it just it just takes one of these to kind of get on a roll. You, you thought it was the last two games, and maybe they can steal a game against Florida State or steal a game against Duke, but the road is definitely harder now because of some of these, uh, I guess we can call them 50-50 games, that they just have not been able to pull out, specifically the ones at home. Clemson and tonight, I, I think if there's – you know, if it's election Sunday and they are, you know, first four out or next four out, you can definitely point to the Boston College game today and the Clemson game at home. Two games that regardless of whether Cole Anthony played or not, I think they should win. You can look at those as kind of, yeah, if they could get those back, maybe things would have changed. But um, they still have an opportunity. The chances are slim. But, you know, when you have someone like Cole Anthony capable of putting up 26 points like he did, um, you know, anything can happen. But it's it's going to be. It's going to be a tough battle over the last month. Definitely agree with you there. I think the pit loss at home too, that that one stings especially bad. So, you know, it has just been that type of season. UNC still has a long way to go there. There's a lot of ball to still be played. It's going to be an uphill climb, but the team, as we mentioned, I don't think that they are going to mentally pack it in. So we'll just have to see how they do on Monday and go from there. For now, though, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Thanks a lot for talking with me, Sherelle. Yep, have a good one. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 